0: You have put me in my lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Friends, welcome to Christ the King. Like Grant said, my name is Brian. I'm excited to be with you this weekend. It really is an honor for me to get a chance to share what God's kind of put on my heart. Uh, And I wanted to start with sharing a little bit about my life. He told you about what I do around Christ the King, but uh, it it all started for me back in Alaska. I was born and raised in Alaska. And and what I love about Alaska uh, is is when people hear that you grew up in Alaska, for some reason they, they think that. They know what you're talking about because they've seen Alaskan bush people and they've seen not one show where Sarah Palin's shooting moose out of helicopters. So they're like, yeah, I've, I feel like I've got it. I feel like I've got a pretty honed in idea of what your childhood must have looked like. And if that's you, that's fine. Really, it is. Uh, I'm not here to change your mind. I don't got enough time for that. And honestly, it's not that far from the truth. But I moved to Bellingham in 2008, I've almost been here for a decade, which is just crazy. This is where I met my wife, um, Kristen, going to Western Washington University, Um, and it actually, uh, we met in 2010, it took me until 2012 to muster the courage to ask her on a date, and then it took another two years after that to convince her to marry me, but um, I did it. Um, She she married me um, back in 2014, I've got a picture right here. Um, I thought that would get an applause, but apparently you guys aren't excited for me. That's okay there's some broken hearts out there. There's still time for you. But um, just because I kind of know how the the Christian brain works a little bit, um, I feel like I know some of the questions that might be creeping into your your head, so I want to go ahead and address them. No, we don't have any kids. Um, No, we don't have any pets, but if we did have a pet, it would be a dog, not a cat. And if we had a dog, it would be over 50 pounds, because like Ron Swanson said in Parks and Rec, uh, any dog that's less than 50 pounds is a cat, and cats are pointless. (laughs) Uh, And I I know what you're thinking. I, I do. I feel like I know what you're thinking because if I was sitting in your seat, I'd be thinking the same thing. You're saying, I dragged my butt to church this weekend. I didn't really feel like it, but I did anyway, and I did it so that I could hear Pastor Grant Ernest Fishbook talk about getting his little heart broken in elementary school, but whatever her name was. But now there's some kid on the stage talking about dogs and cats and Alaskan bush people, and I don't even like that show. I don't like dogs. I'm more of a cat person, so I'm already a little bit offended, and I don't want some millennial punk telling me about my business. (laughs) But friends, what if God's plan really is perfect and he has a purpose for this conversation tonight? What if he brought me here today to tell you that in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of the sin that you can't, seem to kick, that God is still with you, and maybe what you need isn't a new season. It's a new perspective on the season that you're in. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight, is this idea of perspective. Now, I've been praying for you all week, and I've been believing that God wants to encourage every single person here, and I think the question is really whether or not we're open to receiving it. And so I want to pray for us um, to to get us started and and just to ask God to, to be in this conversation and give us the ears to hear the things that we need to hear. So would you bow your heads with me? God, I pray for a heart of expectancy in this room. God, I pray that we would desire with our whole heart to not just know your word, but to be transformed by your word. God, we don't want to leave this place the same. We want to be changed. We want more of you. So God, as we talk about this idea of low, God, and what that means in our lives, would you just be at the center of it, and would um, it highlight a different part of who you are so that we can come to know you even deeply, or, or more deeply, God? We love you so much, and we just pray that this conversation would be glorifying to you. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen, friends. I love this series that we've been going through, this, I, this idea I think is so, so profound that it's life's lowest moments where we get extended the greatest opportunity to see Jesus as the source of all joy. But I'm a, I'm a bit curious, and I'm a guy who likes audience participation, I think that this conversation needs to go both ways, so I'm, I'm curious how many people in here feel like this conversation has been directly, um, like, that it's been relatable to you, this idea of low Maybe you're not going through a low season right now, but you've gone through something in your life um, that, that 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 you can relate to. I could see there was a few people that um, might be um, liars out there, but that's okay. <laughs> God's grace is sufficient for you; He forgives. Um, but friends, let's be honest. This isn't a conversation for your neighbor, and it's not a conversation for your spouse. And it's not a conversation for your roommate or your significant other. This is a conversation for each and every person in here. It's a conversation for our soul. Because we've all been there before. We've all had those seasons in our life that knocked that breath right out of our lungs and we felt like we couldn't breathe. And we've all had those seasons in our life where we've been pushed lower than we thought was humanly possible. And I love that today we get to worship not the season that we're in, but the hope that we have in every season. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. And here's what I've been learning about Jesus this week. Here's what I've been learning about God. And I want to be careful here because I can't quite say that I, I love this about God. I feel like this is what I'm learning about him. I, I, or maybe I love it, but I don't like it yet. I'm not sure. But I want to talk to you today about this idea That God doesn't always call us out of our discomfort. God doesn't always call us out of the seasons that we might want him to call us out of. But he always enters into those seasons with us. He always enters into those seasons with us. When we get low, God gets low with us. And when we're in a season of chaos, God enters into the chaos with us. Most of you guys have probably heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, But for those of you guys who need some context, there's this king named Nebuchadnezzar. um, And he makes this statue out of gold that's 90 feet tall. Then he orders everyone in Babylon to worship this statue anytime that they hear the music played. And he says, anyone who refuses to worship will get thrown into a blazing furnace to die. And so there's these three guys who refuse to worship the golden statue And their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they get thrown into the furnace, and King Nebuchadnezzar turns the heat up as hot as it'll go. And I'm going to ask you to read along with me. We're in Daniel 3, verse 22. You can follow along in your program. It says this It says, The king's command was so urgent, and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men who were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out, come here. Come here. And so they step out of the furnace, and they get called out of the flames. And, and why do they get called out? It's because when the king looks in, he doesn't see three. He sees four because the presence of God is with them in the fire. The presence of God is protecting them from the flames. And there are people in this room who need to hear that we don't worship a God who stands idly by on the outside of our troubles and our trials and our pain. We worship a God who is with us in the furnace. Who is with us in the fire. He doesn't look on from a safe distance. He comes alongside of us. He enters into the season that we're in and he carries us through the muck and the mire. He never leaves us. I saw this interview with a couple who had been married over 60 years. Anyone in here been married 60 years, 50 years? Usually they work up. Oh Wow, you guys are awesome. But, but this is the question that they ask. What's the thing that you admire most about your spouse? What's the thing um, that you appreciate most about your husband after all these years? And this is what she said. I think it's so profound. It's so simple. She said, he's always been there for me. He's always been there for me it wasn't the flowers it wasn't the grand romantic gestures it wasn't um, even the trips that they got to go on it was his presence in every season he never left he was always there and what I think is interesting is that's the same reason why we get to worship God in every season it's because he's always there he never leaves us he never forsakes us he never abandons us he always stays close And so you might be in a season, you might be in a moment where you feel like you're in the furnace right now, but I promise you, you are not alone because God is with you in the fire. He's close. The Bible says Nebuchadnezzar shouts into the furnace and orders Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to come out. And that's important. Notice it's not God who calls them out of the flames, it's actually the person that put them in there to begin with. I think that's because sometimes when we see an enemy, God sees an opportunity. And sometimes when we see a season of trials, God sees a window to work in. This week, God's been teaching me about perspective, and he put this question on my heart, and I want to share it with you. It's this question of what if this whole story isn't really about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What if the is about God getting his presence into Babylon, and we've just placed an undue emphasis on the people that he used to get the job done? What if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't the only ones who are in real danger? We've got to remember, they're actually the only people in the whole region, in the whole nation who had not been deceived, who hadn't been corrupted, who hadn't been convinced that this 90-foot gold statue was what was worthy of worship. So in the worst case scenario, they get thrown into the flames and then they get to go be with the God that they love because they'd already been saved. Stick with me. When we read the story, we like to emphasize, we like to talk about this idea that God always protects his servants, that he is always there with us. And that's so true. He does do that. He protects them in this moment. He's with them in the fire. But I think that if we look closer, we can see that God's up to something a lot bigger He's not just there to save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's actually there to save the king because it's Nebuchadnezzar who had been deceived into thinking that he was the one who held all the power. It's Nebuchadnezzar who used his platform to snuff out the presence of God and make everyone worship this idol. It's Nebuchadnezzar who's standing in arrogant opposition to the one true God. So I would argue that Nebuchadnezzar is actually the one who's in real trouble and in real danger. Sometimes I think we read these stories all wrong. Oftentimes we're far too worried about the safety of the people who have already been saved. And we forget that the people that we might view as a problem might be the person that God's actually trying to get to. Friends, what if this story isn't about God using Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It's about God using Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to save Nebuchadnezzar. It's not about them getting saved. It's about them being used and the king being saved. What if their faithfulness in a low season opened a window that God used to get to the king, and then the king uh, just, uh, he actually changed the kingdom because God saw an opportunity to expand his kingdom. He saw an opportunity. Because look at this. This is Nebuchadnezzar's response. Once he sees the presence of God in the fire, this is his response. In verse 28, you can read along. It says, Praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command, and they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. And he goes on and he decrees that no person in any nation or language should say anything against the god of Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego, for no other God can save in this way. So so get this at the beginning of the story, Nebuchadnezzar's burning people who worship the one true God, and then at the end of the story, he's actually putting out a decree that requires every person of every no- nation to acknowledge the power of the one true God, the God that can save like no other gods. Look at that transformation. That's what happens when people encounter the presence of God. And the ripples go out and the whole nation gets saved because of the faithfulness of a few. Friends, what if your low moment isn't just for you? What if your low moment isn't just for you? What if God wants to use your faithfulness through this season? To teach someone that God never leaves us, God never abandons us, God never forsakes us, and that we get to worship Him in every season, not just the seasons of surplus. What if God's got a greater story that He's calling us into and He wants to use our faithfulness to get to other people? What if He wants to change the world around us and through us, not just save us? People always talk about God saving Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you don't oftentimes hear about God using those three to save Babylon. But I think that's what's happening here. And it kind of makes me wonder what God could do through us if we decided to to open ourselves up to his plan. I want to look at Psalm 23. It says this. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is some of the most uh, famous scripture in the whole Bible. But I want to pause on verse 5 here. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I think that's a peculiar statement because God could set up a table wherever he wants to. He could pull us out of our pain. He could pull us out of our low season and set a table for us in his presence at the top of the mountain. But that's not what he does. He sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Why would he do that? Maybe it's because he wants to give your pain purpose. Maybe it's because he doesn't want it to be Pointless. Maybe it's because God wants to 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 use the low moments in your life to shape you and to shape the world around you. So instead of bringing you out of those low seasons, He enters into them with you, and He sets a table in front of you so that you can be sustained even when you're in the presence of your problems. So that you can be emboldened even in situations that might cause anxiety. So that you can experience a little piece of heaven. Even if your life around you looks like a personal hell, he sets a table in the presence of our enemies so that we can rest in his goodness in spite of our circumstances, not because of them. And I got to tell you, that sounds great in theory, doesn't it? That sounds great. In theory, uh, it sounds really nice. I would like to participate in that. But I got to be honest, when, when I'm heading into a season that feels like flames, I oftentimes am praying that God would get me out of that season, not that he would come into that season with me. And if he decides to come in, I, I, I mean, I'm saying, hey, man, I appreciate the company. I appreciate uh, uh, the, the heart behind you being here, but I'm not really looking for company right now. I'm looking for a way out. And honestly, if I can be really honest with you, your presence makes me a little uncomfortable because a lot of the messes that I get myself in are not like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because it's not coming out of my faithfulness. It's actually because of my faithlessness. The fires that I feel have less to do with persecution and more to do with my rebellion. But despite the fact that there's times that that I feel like I want what God can give me rather than God's presence in my life. He remains faithful when I make myself available to him in any season. So it doesn't matter how you got to that low moment, he's gonna be faithful into that low moment and he's gonna enter into that season with you. It doesn't matter whether you brought it on yourself, it got brought on by somebody else, or whether it was just this freak thing, God's gonna enter into it because he's faithful to keep his promises. He never leaves my side. And he's going to use that season if we let him. I want to look at James 1. It says, consider it pure joy. This is such a, such a beautiful text, but it's so confusing. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let the perseverance finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Sometimes when we want God to change our context, God actually wants to use our context to change us. And sometimes when we want to get out of a low season, God actually wants to use the low season to grow us and to shape us into his image. And that's what James is calling taking joy in our trials. It doesn't mean that we take joy in the pain just for the sake of the pain. It means that we look past the pain and understand what the pain is producing in our hearts, and we take joy in that. We realize that there's a meaning behind all of it, and there's a meaning in the season that we're in. I think there's some people here tonight that need to know that, there's, uh, that the season that you're in isn't going to get wasted and that God doesn't waste anything. Whatever you're going through, whatever pain uh, has been inflicted upon you or you've inflicted on yourself, it doesn't matter because it's not in vain. God's going to use it if you let him. If you invite him into this season, God is going to use it. It's just a question of whether or not you're going to let him. And honestly, I don't know what you're going through right now in this season. Maybe you've got an addiction that you thought you'd be over by now. Maybe your life's not turning out the way that you thought it would. Maybe you keep getting looked over or passed up and you know you have so much more to bring to the table. Maybe you're going through a divorce or a, a breakup or a death in the family. Maybe um, you're going through illness right now. I don't know, maybe you just had a rough week. Maybe you just had a rough week. And and I'll tell you this, that's okay. That counts too. This past October, my wife and I were flying back from uh, Alaska after spending a week with my with my folks, and uh, our flight was supposed to get into SeaTac at 10 o'clock, but we got stuck in Juneau because there was plane problems. There was something with the, the, the altimeter, which tells the pilots how uh, high off the ground you are, which apparently is a big deal in that business. I don't know. I felt like they should be able to just download an app or something, but... Uh, It took over three hours to fix, and I know what you guys are thinking, and no, we weren't flying United. (laughs) We weren't flying United, but still, it pushed our ETA back to 2 a.m., we still had to drive up to Bellingham, it was this whole thing, we got in at 4 a.m., we went to bed, got up a couple hours later, now my wife's sick, and uh, uh, she can't um, get back to to bed, so I stayed up with her, because honestly, I I felt like I needed to, or else the next day was not going to be good for me. Um... (laughs) Pretty soon I had to go to work. I opened the, the, the front door and looked out over um, my front yard and, and pieces of my roof were everywhere. I don't know if you guys remember that storm that was supposed to be the biggest storm of uh, the last 10 years, the National Weather Service. This was back in October, like I said. It said it would be, this is a quote, a historic windstorm for nearly all of western Washington that will long be Remembered. And it didn't end up being quite as bad as they thought, so everyone was posting these memes, I think we got a picture of them, uh, with lawn chairs that are flipped over that says, we will rebuild. (laughs) Which is funny, I'll give you that, but it's less funny when you got a hole in your roof. (laughs) So I got out to my car, which had been parked on the road for the last week, and my side mirror had been broken off. And the person who was supposed to preach that week at Ecclesia had backed out. So I had to prepare a sermon and fix my roof and fix my car and care for my sick wife during one of the busiest weeks of her year. And I got sick and I uh, felt like death and I lost my voice and the hits just kept coming. It was just one of those weeks. And I can already feel a couple people in the room, I'll be honest with you, um, that are thinking, that's it? That's all you got? Two hours of sleep, illness, house projects, and a broken mirror? I call that a Tuesday, boy. this young whippersnapper up here in tight jeans is gonna stand up there and tell me about hard times? (laughs) I had hard seasons that have been longer than you've been alive. (laughs) And it's, it's true. It's true. There are people in this room who have had lows that I can't even begin to experience or understand. And there are people in this room currently experiencing loss and heartbreak at a level that I can barely comprehend. And if that's you, I'm sorry. I can honestly say that I've been praying for you all week. But here's my point in all of this. I think we have a tendency and a bad habit of comparing lows. And when we start to think that our ditch is deeper, we start losing compassion for the people around us. And friends, that's not what we're called to, even if your ditch is deeper, that doesn't give you the right to belittle what other people are going through. We're called to enter into it with them, not to judge them. And the truth is this, when we are in the midst of a low season or a low moment, we all start to to, to have this same idea. We start viewing um, life through a similar lens. We start fixating on the light at the end of day living for the moment when it's just going to be over and we can collapse on our couch and watch our favorite Netflix show. And that's totally normal. That is totally normal. But God's been talking to me a lot about being present. And like I said, I don't know that I, I like this idea, but I'm starting to, to see the reason why it's so important And when I'm talking about present, I'm not talking about putting my cell phone down when I get home at the end of the day, although God knows that I need to keep working on that. But I'm talking about being present in the days that the hits just keep coming. I'm talking about being present in the seasons where it's so much more convenient to be thinking about the thing that's coming next rather than the thing that's happening now. It's such a temptation to live life with this mentality of, oh, if I can just make it to Friday. Oh, if I can just make it to next week. Oh, if I can just make it to next month and it's going to be okay. Life's going to be fine. I'll be honest. There are some weeks when I just want to hit the fast forward button. I just want them to be over. I want to get to the next thing. There are some weeks when I spend more time dreaming about what's coming next than living in the present. And I believe that we're called to have a healthy expectation for the season that god's bringing us into but i know that god calls us to be present in the present we're called to realize that there's a purpose for the season that we're in but to get to that purpose we have to go through the process and to get through the process we have to be present so we're called to take joy in our trials We're called to take joy in our stresses. We're called to take joy even in the moments that God is using to shape us, grow us, and mold us. And they're always painful, but he's creating in us a new image that looks more like him. We're called to take joy in that process. And if we spent all our time thinking about what's coming next, then we're going to miss out on what God's trying to do in us right now. We're going to miss out on what God's trying to create in us right now. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss what God's trying to do in my heart right now. Even if it's painful, even if it's hard work, even if it's exhausting, I don't want to miss it. And I don't want you to miss it either. And it's not this comparison game. It's not who's got the lowest lows. It's not who's in the deepest ditch. Um, It's about whether you're willing to be used in whatever ditch you're in because we know that God can do incredible things when we're faithful and present and when we give him the reins in whatever season we're in. So I want to pray for us to close and, and ask that God would just reveal to us any relationships or problems or situation that maybe that we've, we've been avoiding or walking away from that God wants us to turn back to and walk towards and be present in the midst of because he's going to do a good work in us. Church, what would that even look like If we were a community of people who are committed to being faithful in the low seasons, what would that do in the hearts of the people who are around us that see us, that know that we're Christian, if we're faithful through those low seasons and we prove through the way that we live our lives that God is faithful, He never leaves us, and He never forsakes us? Let's pray. God, we just repent of our tendency to compare lows with the people around us, God. Would you give us a heart to enter into whatever season our neighbors are in and whatever season the people that you've called to be around us are in? God, we want to uh, have lives that reflect your goodness. We want to have lives that reflect your glory, God. We want to um, continue to um, seek after a humble posture that we can just be used by you, God. Would you give us not just the ears to hear what that looks like, God, but the convictions and the confidence and the boldness to act on those things that you tell us? Will we be able to hear your whisper in the chaos of this world? God, we thank you for this opportunity to talk about um, what it looks like to be shaped and molded in low seasons of our lives. And we give you um, this night. We love you. We love you. We love you. We pray this all in your beautiful name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. I want to, uh, yeah. If God spoke to you in a, in a powerful way through Brian tonight, I'd like to invite you We have a prayer team that will be standing up here across the front. And we'd love to, to pray with you about whatever low you may find yourself in. And uh, I know Brian would kill me for doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, we want to keep the focus where it is, but I, sometimes it's nice when there's an affirmation of a calling or a gift. And so church, I'm going to ask you a question. If you believe Tonight, after hearing what God poured through, uh, this young man, which gives me so much hope, so much joy. But if you believe that Brian has a voice that needs to be heard, and that he's carried it with humility and joy, tonight, would you simply affirm that by saying the word amen? Amen. Amen. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. I was backstage throwing up amens like every other sentence. (laughs) Just so unbelievably thrilled to see young communicators come up and preach the gospel with so much competency. It's just a beautiful thing. Church, would you stand with me? May the God who entered into the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for the very specific purpose of winning the heart of a king place you in all of the places where he needs you to go this week. May your ditch not be measured against anyone else's life, but against the beautiful sacrifice of Jesus, who when we thought he could go no lower, went even lower and washed the feet of his creation. May his heart be your heart. May his mind be your mind. And may you touch the community of Whatcom County in his name this week, knowing he goes with you. May God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.